when they're in the playoffs and you're not on the bench, you can rehab anywhere. There was absolutely no excuse for him not to be on the bench. And when he opted not to do that, I'll be honest, it, it really changed my opinion and my view of Kawhi Leonard. Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast over 14 years, 500 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban, David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the business news podcast section on iTunes. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. Our guests on this week's show, Rick Buecher, Sirius XM Radio and Bleacher Report. He covers the NBA. We will talk about the San Antonio Spurs. What is going on with their situation with Kawhi Leonard, Oklahoma City, Paul George and Carmelo Anthony? What is the future there? We'll also talk about the upcoming Sports PR Summit in New York on May 22nd. Rick is my partner on that event. Our other guest on this week's show, Kaylee Wilson, who is the co-founder of Blinder, they're a company that has created an innovative new technology that allows you to hide your caller ID and record phone calls during interviews with the media, two things that high-profile people have tried to find solution to for years. We'll talk to Kaylee on our show this week. I'm joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, let's talk some NFL draft. That was the big news. Mm-hmm. And Here's all you need to know about the draft. You know, we talk about how NFL is king with TV ratings. 45.4 million people. That was the total audience for the 2018 NFL draft, the highest rated and most watched draft ever. A lot of intrigue. Who was going to be number one? Some big names in the draft. But all you need to know, Griggs, the most watched draft ever. And, uh, you know, the NFL just keeps getting bigger and bigger. It doesn't even have to be the Super Bowl or the playoffs anymore. It can be their draft. Their draft gets better ratings than the NBA Finals, the World Series, the Stanley Cup. It's crazy. It is crazy. And there's so much buildup for the draft, too, because everybody knows the college kids coming out of college. You know who you want. You right. know your number one pick in your mind. You know, and you have months and months of buildup. So when it gets to that, that date, you can see the anticipation. It's like Christmas morning. You're like, oh, who's going to go first? Who's going to go third, second? You know, and which team's going to make this move? And there's so much um, strategy involved with it, too, which is the fun part of it, because there's so much behind the scenes that we don't, as a viewer, you don't even see right to get these picks done and the trades and all that stuff. So it's really exciting. And I'll give it to the Cleveland Browns. They kept the number one pick pretty quiet. The day of the draft, there was lots of speculation that it was going to be Baker, Baker Mayfield, and it was. But there was still some when Roger Goodell came on the stage, it was like, is it really going to be Baker Mayfield? <laughs> is this, has this been a smoke screen? Like, there was some serious intrigue and then the other thing that was done this year with the TV networks is they all promised that their reporters would not tweet out the picks in advance of when Commissioner Goodell announced them on stage so you were truly captivated like when he stepped to the podium you didn't know for sure which name he was going to read now I'll give you some of my thoughts I think Cleveland as they've done many, many times, they botched number one and number four. Most people had them taking Sam Darnold at one and Bradley Chubb, the defensive end out of North Carolina State, at number four. Nope. They took Baker Mayfield 
and they took the cornerback uh, Ward out of Ohio State. We will see. Those could be two great picks. Uh, you know, their GM has a pretty good track record of making selections. Also with Baker Mayfield, if you're just looking at it from a marketing and social media perspective, Sam Darnold, basically a ghost on social media, doesn't exist. Baker Mayfield, huge presence on social media, big contract with Nike, big following. So you're bringing in someone who's going to energize the franchise. They can be the face of the franchise at Baker Mayfield. He's kind of a rah-rah guy as well. But the question is, can he play quarterback in the NFL? <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> and I think Sam Darnold going to the Jets was a great gift for the Jets. And I think the Broncos getting Bradley Chubb, who didn't go to the Browns, like I just mentioned, was also a gift to them. I think the Broncos were looking at trading out of that position. But when they saw Chubb at five, they're like, whoa, we need this guy. We're going to pair him with Vaughn Miller and quarterbacks are going to run for their lives for the next, you know, five to 10 years. So I thought the Jets and the Broncos really came out as beneficiaries of the Browns making selections that surprised a lot of people. My favorite selection of the draft, without question, was Shaquem Griffin, who played at UCF. If you haven't heard of Shaquem Griffin, he has one hand, but this guy like bench presses, you know, 400 pounds and is just a remarkable football player and, you know, had a great pro combine, you know, ran one of the fastest 40 times there. And you start wondering, like, when's he going to get picked and where is he going to go? He got picked in the fifth round and he gets to go to Seattle where he gets to play with his brother and he gets to play for a coach who just gets it. Pete Carroll, a great people person. He couldn't have asked for a better situation. So here's the other thing, Griggs, is since the draft, jerseys have been on sale. You know, they print the rookie jerseys right away because everyone wants the rookie jerseys. So here's the order. Saquon Barkley, number one. He was the second pick. He went to the Giants. Baker Mayfield, number two. He was the first pick. He went to the Browns. Sam Darnold, number three. He was the third pick to the Jets. Josh Allen hmm. was the seventh pick, and he went to the Bills. And then the number 141 pick in the draft, Shaquem Griffin, is the fifth top-selling jersey nice. for rookies, his Seahawks jersey. So it's a cool story. If I'm a marketer, if I'm a company, I want to work with Shaquem Griffin. Everything he says is great for sports. He's inspired so many people. We saw the the young girl who was the cheerleader who is missing an arm and, you know, did a flip and said, you know, she loves Shaquem. And it's just a great story. And if you're the NFL and you have some negative stories out there every once in a while, like here's a guy that you can really shine the spotlight on and say, this is what's good about our league. Yeah, and I love hearing the uh, phone call with Pete Carroll calls him and tells him we're picking you. It's great. And he's emotional, and you're like, you. that moment must have been just incredible for him. All that, the battle he's gone through with right. you know, playing football and, and battling the no, you know missing a, a hand. What a cool story. And, yeah, I'm excited to see him play, and I think it's a perfect spot for him in Seattle. Well, and I saw an interview with he and his brother uh, Shaquille, and you know, Shaquem said there were so many coaches when he was younger Pop Warner that said, football's not for you. Don't try and play. Like, you can't do this. He had so many people tell him, you can't do this. And every step of the way, he has surpassed expectations. And he's a darn good football player. Yeah. It's not like someone's taking pity on him and, and just drafting him, 
you know, and giving him a consolation prize. Like, this guy is going to be a great locker room guy. He's going to bust his rear. He's going to motivate other people. And frankly, Seattle needed a little bit of that. Yep. You know, the Legion of Boom, Richard Sherman's gone. Some of these guys are on the back nine of their career. They need a little energy in that locker room and someone who's going to raise the level of inspiration. And, and I think Shaquem Griffin is that guy. Now, here's the last note on the NFL draft. It hasn't formally been announced yet, Griggs, but HBO is going to do hard knocks with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Now, that's going to be interesting. Baker Mayfield, you know, they've got Jarvis Landry, who they traded from, for mm-hmm. who is not shy. Uh, you've got all kinds of dynamics. Tyrod Taylor is new on that team. What's the Tyrod Taylor, Baker Mayfield dynamic going to be? Nick Chubb is a high profile running back from Georgia who they drafted to play on that team. There's all kinds of personalities and it's going to be interesting to see how it blends together. So honestly, I don't know that HBO could have picked a better team to follow in training <laughs> camp than the Cleveland Browns for this year. So I'm excited to watch that. Yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of loud voices on that. The, the guys you just mentioned, too. You got a lot of, you know, yeah. outspoken guys. You got young guys. You got new guys that are in the NFL for the first time. Yeah, I think it's going to be a crazy dynamic and a fun show to watch because you're going to have, uh, it's going to be across the board with what they're going to be able to show. All right, coming up next, Rick Buecher, Sirius XM Radio and Bleacher Report. We're going to talk some NBA with him. We're also going to preview our upcoming Sports PR Summit event at the Players' Tribune on May 22nd. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. My guest is Rick Buecher. He is the radio host of Left Coast Live on Sirius XM Radio Channel 82. It airs weekdays from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. He's a senior writer for The Bleacher Report. And he's also my business partner for the upcoming Sports PR Summit at the Players Tribune in New York City. Rick, how are you? I am good. We're in the throes of NBA playoffs. We have some exciting, intriguing storylines. So life is good. And we have the Sports PR Summit just around the corner. It's going to be the best one ever. Life life is good. Life is good. I'm looking forward to it. So let's start with NBA before we move into Sports PR Summit. I, I There's so much we could cover in the playoffs, but I want to go to some other storylines, and I want to start with Kawhi Leonard and the San Antonio Spurs. I think this is headed towards a divorce. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ramona Shelburne and Michael Wright wrote an interesting article for ESPN.com, really looking at the dynamic of the relationship between Kawhi's representatives and the Spurs this week. 
I just don't see, you know, to me, Rick, when uh, Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker have a players only meeting and you're in the meeting in the locker room and they say, we need you, even if it's just yeah. on the bench, we need you around this team and you don't heed that call and you go to the other side of the country to rehab, that to me, that's where it's fractured and, and I just don't see them repairing this. What are your thoughts from where you sit? Yeah, that spoke volumes to me. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, at least what we presumed him to be, and the San Antonio Spurs organization, what we know them to be, I thought there, there has to be a way for them to get back to a common ground. Uh, I, I had a hard time believing the Kawhi Leonard that came out of San Diego State that has been so quiet throughout his career, not, not just when it comes to endorsements or talking to the media, he's been that way with his teammates from the very beginning. And so it's always been difficult to read him uh, or to engage him, but that wasn't really a problem because he was just a quiet, hard worker, and you admired him for that. Uh, apparently, uh, there are people now that are in his camp that believe he deserves more attention uh, as a superstar and that he knows he needs to go someplace else to get it. And that's just, that's not the San Antonio way. Uh, however you want to cut it, it's not the San Antonio way. And I always thought that Kawhi was a perfect fit for San Antonio by the way that he came up. We're, we're discovering otherwise. And, and you're right. The heart of it, the thing that convinced me that this was going to be hard to repair and really where, where it turned from, okay, maybe the Spurs and the way they do things, it's not for everyone. Maybe they need to modernize it. When they're in the playoffs and you're not on the bench, you can rehab anywhere. You can, whoever is doing your rehab, they can come to you. There was absolutely no excuse for him not to be on the bench. Forget what your, whatever your feelings are about management. Being on the bench is about supporting your teammates. And when he opted not to do that, I, I'll be honest, it, it really changed my opinion and my view of Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I agree. And look, he's ultimately responsible, but I do think he's got some people in his ear that have changed who he is and who he, how he looks at things. Cause honestly, I think at his core, like you said, he's kind of a soft spoken, quiet guy, no nonsense on the basketball court. But now, you know, you're not resigning with the Jordan brand for $26 million because it's not worthy of your status as an NBA player. You're pulling these shenanigans with the Spurs. It doesn't seem like Kawhi. So I wonder, you know, is he listening to these people so much that he's changed how he is? And will he find himself in a situation one day where he goes, wow, maybe I didn't have it so bad in San Antonio and, and I shouldn't have, uh, you know, I should have spoke up for myself. Yeah, I think maybe one of the things that informs this is James Harden's not a big talker either. James Harden has done a lot of endorsement stuff where you don't really remember him talking, right? It's right, just, the State Farm commercials. He, he like is the sidekick to Chris Paul and like comes in the room and waves. Yeah, exactly. So maybe that's where his his people are telling him, "Look, you don't you don't have to be, uh, you know, a, a, a loudmouth. You don't have to speak, and yet you should be having this visibility and you should be making this money." Here's the problem that I have, again, going back to the lack of support on the bench. 
you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, Boston should make a play for him because San Antonio, from from all all indications, and I would expect it to be true because most teams feel this way. They don't want him in the Western Conference. They don't want him going to L.A. or anyplace else. And so there's been discussion about, you know, what should Boston give up for him? And I'm thinking Boston shouldn't give anything up for him. I, I don't I, – Boston's chemistry to me is so good – I, I now look, I question where Kawhi's head is at. And if you're making a move because you want greater endorsements, then what does that say about what your, your, your intentions are in going to that particular team and how you expect to be treated? For all the criticism that Kyrie Irving received in leaving Indiana and going to Boston, uh, endorsements was never part of that package, right? He wanted to go someplace where he felt actually more simpatico with with the stars on the team and 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 the entire organization. And so, I look. I look at Kawhi Leonard, and you can talk about the talent all you want. There are some real question marks there. That if I'm a successful team, I, I don't. I, I I tread very carefully in terms of acquiring him. Well, and here's the thing. This is what a lot of people don't know, and, and it was pointed out in the Ramona Shelburne piece. Uh, Peter Holt, one of the owners, primary owners of the Spurs, is getting a divorce, okay? If somebody has been divorced, it's very expensive. The point is, they could make Kawhi the highest paid player in NBA history, $217 million. If he just waves his hand and says, yep, I'm in, I want the long-term mm-hmm. extension, $217 million. Do you really need that many endorsements if you're making $217 million? What's $26 million more from the Jordan brand? So the yeah. point is, I don't know who he's listening to or what they're convincing him of, but I agree. I think the the viewpoint, the optics on this for Kawhi have really changed. And here's the other thing, too, that I'll bring up, and I know others have mentioned this. At what point does Pop look at this all, and he just lost his wife, and... Just say, you know what, if Manu and Tony are out, Tim's already gone, David Robinson's gone, I'm out. Like, I I don't need this anymore. Would you be shocked if Greg Popovich said, you know what, I'm done? Actually, I would be. Because, to me, this is a situation where where, where Pop would be motivated to, to do otherwise. Now, I don't, I don't know emotionally where he is as far as the loss of his wife. I know how much she meant to him. I know how much she meant to the organization. But for what I know about Pop, you have a superstar who's leaving the organization. You have Peter Holt who's going through his personal uh, life issues. Uh, the, the team is, uh, is foundering. That's the time that I could see Pop sticking around for R.C. Buford, for everybody else in the organization that is committed to doing this the right way and not worrying about, you know, are we going to win another championship, but to leave it in a good place. To me, that that is, that's the character of Greg Popovich. Yeah. I, I, I could see where if he's not so emotionally wrecked by the loss of his, his wife, that, that all that is transpiring would be the motivation for him to say, no, let's go back to the drawing board. Let's let's prove. I mean, he'd, he'd want to prove, hey, we 
we can fix this or we can put this in a better place, and, and I want to be a part of that. All right, next team I want to talk to you about, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They are at $130 million with their payroll right now. They're looking at the potential of Carmelo Anthony opting into a $28 million deal, which, I mean, let's face it, if he were to hit the open market, he's not getting anywhere near $28 million. So he'd be silly nope. not to opt into the $28 million unless he's like, hey, I've made enough money, I'll take a buyout at $21 million or $14 million. Um, And then you've got Paul George, who, by most people's guesstimation, is done in OKC. He's going to go somewhere else. I I look at just the payroll in OKC, and they went for it, and they made the trade Mm -hmm. to get Paul George. They made the trade to get Mello. They re-signed Russell Westbrook, who, by all accounts, seems like he may be a difficult person to play with, as, as talented as he is. But what's the future in OKC? What do they do there? It seems like a mess. Well, I saw this season as being successful the second that Russ Westbrook signed the five-year extension. And to do that, they had to acquire Paul George, and they had to acquire Carmelo Anthony. Because if you look at the timeline, he didn't sign that extension. And it was it was available to him. There was discussion. They had presented it. He was dragging his feet as far as signing the extension. And... GM Sam Presti was in a tough spot because he'd already had a league MVP in Kevin Durant walk out the door and for nothing in return. He couldn't afford a second one. So I look at the acquisition of Paul George, whether he stays or goes, the $28 million that you're paying Carmelo Anthony if, if he opts into it. And I look all at, at all of that as a down payment yeah, I, I mean, even trading the Victor Oladipo and Demonte Sabonis for Paul George, I look at all of that as an investment in getting Russ to sign the five-year extension. And, and I see it as worth it for Oklahoma City. For that market, for the circumstances that they were in, they simply could not afford to, A, either have Russ not th- sign the extension and potentially walk out the door, or go into this season with the prospect of Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, and and Russ Westbrook all potentially walking out the door at the end of this season. So they have him locked up for the next, what, four or five years, and we'll see what happens with Paul George. I can tell you, you know, just having having followed that that team in in its first-round series that People in the organization still think that they have a shot at, at, at keeping Paul there. The, the local media are all unanimous in thinking that he's gone. I think Ryan Rosillo said he'd just spoken to someone that he trusts that says that, that Paul is gone. And now you have Mello who is balking at his, at his role. And as you said, you're absolutely right. I mean, if he wants to, if he wants to opt out, he's not going to find $28 million. I could see the possibility after some conversation where the Oklahoma City Thunder go to Carmelo and say, don't opt into the $28 million. We'll sign you to an extension where you're going to get a little bit more, more money. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll add a year or two. You'll all end up with a total that's greater than 28 but it's not all in one year, and that will at least reduce 
their uh, their tax payment. But uh, it, it for a market like that, you have to have some sort of superstar. And how we how would you ever? I mean, we we look. I think we look at it sometimes in the context of can they win a championship and can they win a championship with Russ? Well, I, I look at it from the perspective of if Russ left, could you ever? get another superstar of that magnitude uh, to your franchise? And, and if you could, how long would it take to get to get him there? Because, uh, let's face it, they drafted both KD and Russ, so you'd have to draft another one. And I just, I don't, I don't know that you could do it. So from a business standpoint, I look at all of this, including the, you know, where their salary, uh, their payroll is right now, and all of this is an investment in Russ. And from a business standpoint, it makes sense because he he does sell everything when it comes to the Thunder in Oklahoma City. Is Billy Donovan coaching that team next year? I would fully expect that he is, again, from the conversations that I've had. I could see where they're going to change up the coaching staff uh, or they're going to add somebody or, or, or tweak that, but they, you know, they don't move quickly in Oklahoma City. I mean, look at—I think uh, Scotty Brooks was there seven years, and I, at least five of them, people were complaining about his offense and saying that he wasn't getting enough out of Kevin Durant and Russ Westbrook. And I will say, I—I've I, always been of the mind that Billy Donovan just doesn't have the resume to convince Russ Westbrook to change the way that he plays. I, I, I but I don't know anybody who does. And it's really going to come down to Russ changing the way that he plays. And one thing that I did see with Billy is that he had a good rapport. I mean, it's 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 not uh, it's not you know LeBron ignoring um, the the coach of trying to well, it's not Ty Lue, his predecessor. Um, it's not ignoring Billy. Um, Billy's kind of got to coax his way there because I think he understands. But he, he has a really good rapport with those guys. I think what they really need is he's the Doc Rivers in the Doc Rivers role. They need a Tom Thibodeau or they need, you know, with, with Steve Kerr, Ron, a Ron Adams, somebody who is a lead assistant who's going to hold everybody's feet to the fire and say, you know, this is, this is what we need to do. This is, this is how it needs to be done, more of a, a hardline X's and O's guy, because um, that's just not Billy's personality, and and it wouldn't he couldn't carry it if it if it was. But I was uh, I, I I did have a change of mind in seeing him talk to to Russ, talk to Paul, uh, even talk to Melo. And the fact of the matter is, you know, he, he did show some backbone when they made the comeback against uh, Utah in Game Five, which I was there for. Uh, he basically didn't play Mello in the fourth quarter. And, you know, there's there's been a little rumbling as a result of that, uh, a little discord from Carmelo's end, but it was the right it was the right thing to do. And uh, if they go forward and Mello stays, there's going to have to be some more hard conversations about, Mello, this is the role that you're now equipped to play, and it's not the one that you had before. All right. At some future date, I want to do an entire show with you just on LeBron. And I know that we're going to get to Sports PR Summit in a minute. But for me, LeBron is going to one of three places. He's leaving Cleveland. That's a given to me. Yeah, you know what? I, I'll tell, I will say this. The other, the other night when he said he's going to play 48 minutes and then he had the cramps or whatever, he went in the locker room. I thought it was really telling 
uh, Dan Gilbert is standing in the tunnel, and LeBron goes into the locker room, and he comes back out, and he never the, the two of them never even acknowledged each other. They hate I, each I other. I thought that just spoke. Yes, I, I and I know, but it's like if you ever questioned, like. Uh, you know, do they hate each other? Can they work together with each other? Is LeBron like just? I mean, that's that's the heart of it. Everybody looks at you know how far they go in the playoffs and who's on the team and all that, who's coaching and all that. It's it has that has none of that has anything to do with this. It's everything about uh, Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cavs. Right. So I think he's either going to one of three places. If he wants to stay in the East, he goes to Philadelphia, and he is the icing on the cake with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And personally, that's where I would go. I would go to Philadelphia <laughs> if I were LeBron. If he wants to go to L.A., because we know he's got houses in L.A., mm-hmm. everyone talks about the Lakers, and not that mm-hmm. that wouldn't be a good situation for him, but the Clippers could clear the deck and basically just say, LeBron, work with Jerry West, build the roster, bring in your buddies, do whatever you want. This is an expansion franchise, basically, at this point, and we've cleared the deck for you to bring in the Banana Boat crew or whoever you want. So I think it's either Lakers, Clippers, or Sixers. My question to you is, there another team, not Cleveland, that you think, Mm -hmm. outside of the ones I just mentioned, that he could wind up with? Uh, No. And, and And I... Hear you on Philadelphia. I, the the attraction I would think with both the Lakers and the Clippers and going to LA, other than it sets him up for his post career career, is that he gets to be the founding father of whatever they're building moving forward. Right. And and and, and I just I don't see LeBron at this stage. I know he did it in Miami when he joined Dwayne Wade there. I don't see him joining another superstar who's already established. And he would be joining the 76ers, especially with what the 76ers are doing now. It would be, it would be a little carpetbagging. But and, they're so young. I mean, he looks at Ben Simmons as a little brother. And they're so, like, if they were season like Wade and Bosch, I could see your point, but they're so young. I think he would come in like big brother and be like, all right, I'm going to help teach you guys the ropes and take you to the next level. Well, honestly, this is the struggle that I have with this is that he's obviously demonstrated that he can do that. But for, for Joel Embiid and for Ben Simmons, I mean, here, here's the thing. I mean, LeBron can't help himself, but, and, and teams can't help themselves, but, to allow him to dominate the ball, to become the centerpiece. And the organization, by I, the way. Yeah, and I don't I, I don't want that for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I, I, I think that as much as he has to teach them, I think that also potentially truncates their their development. Yeah. Because they just aren't going to play the same roles and he's not going to play an off-the-ball role. And how good would Simmons be if he's playing off the ball? Or jo- And Joel Embiid, now with LeBron, it's going to be really hard to, to post Embiid. He's going to be outside more than inside because that's just it, 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 that's the way you, you're going to play with LeBron. You have to, op- you have to keep the, the, the paint open for him. I, 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 I just don't, I don't see it as being an ideal for the growth of those players in the long run. So 
it sounds great. It sounds attractive for the type of players they are and where they are in their uh, in their arc. I'm just not sure. And you know, the other part is is he's not going to go there on the cheap. So he goes there. You're not re-signing JJ Redick, you know, for anything. And and, and there's going to be a market for Redick. And I think he quietly was is a huge part of that. You still have to maintain an awful lot of shooting on the perimeter uh, if you're going to make that thing work. Yeah. All right. Like I said, we'll do a whole show on LeBron another time. So let's talk about Sports PR Summit because I know you need to run soon. So year six of the event, for those out there who don't know what Sports PR Summit is, it's an event that we started. It brings together elite athletes, national media, senior PR and social media executives from across the sports world together for one day. They can network. But the main takeaway, Rick, is they have a better understanding of the other's world and how they can work more effectively together. We've got... Michael Vick, you're going to be sitting down with him. That's going to be my favorite conversation. I'm sitting down with David Fisdale, who, for the people I've talked to, uh, may have a job by May 22nd when we sit down mm-hmm. with him in New York. And then Jamel Hill from ESPN, who has made lots of news and doesn't pull any punches with anyone. Um, so those are our three featured conversations. We've got some other really good panels, how to navigate PR in the zero tolerance era. We're in this Me Too era. If you read the New York Times piece on Nike over the weekend, you know what that culture is like. And then handling a crisis mm-hmm. on social media, as as fortune would have it for us, we have the head of social media for Southwest Airlines. They just went through a crisis. We've got yep. Matthew Hiltzik, who handles crisis PR for Justin Bieber, Alec Baldwin, Hillary Clinton, and Ray Rice on that panel. It's going to be a great event, but your conversation with Vic, I'm so interested in because Vic was one of the most elite athletes we've seen, $100 million with his NFL contract, big deal with Nike, and then he gets put in jail, 554 nights in jail. And to hear from him, not a PR rep, not an agent, to hear from him directly about how yeah. he's reshaped his brand and been able to get a job with Fox Sports as an analyst and you know he's doing some other things, that's going to be really insightful for all of us in that room. There is no doubt about it. And one of the things that I'm interested in talking to him about is the fact I just look at him as as not not just an athlete who got into trouble who's rehabbed it but as a black athlete in the south who went to jail and has come and, and has turned this entire thing around I'm really interested in hearing his opinion of where Colin Kaepernick finds himself because Colin Kaepernick did not go has not gone to jail and yet there has been a reluctance. I mean, never mind, you know, allowing him a, uh, a, a broadcast platform, a media platform. He is not even being given the opportunity to play in the league. And I wonder if, if, if Michael Vick were, I, I just, I'm curious as how he looks at Kaepernick's situation. And if he were in that situation, how, you know, how would he go about, trying to do the same thing, like get myself to a place because Vic not has, has, I mean, he's done it in such an honest, direct way, admitted his faults. And I'm not suggesting that Kaepernick has faults, but he's, he's somehow found a way to speak the truth and then basically become a, an advocate in saying, you know, the thing for whether it's for animal cruelty or simply getting sideways with the people that you work for in the in the NFL, 
he found his way all the way back, and, uh, and I'm going to be really fascinated. Because if you, if you don't think that the league has an influence on who is on these broadcasts, then you're not aware of how the business works. Right. And, you know, the thing that I respect about Vic, too, he was given a second chance, and Andy Reid was a big part of that, so he has Andy Reid to thank for that. But he owed $32 million, Rick, when he got out of prison. How many mm-hmm. people would have paid back $32 million? How many people would have been able to earn that to pay it back or saved yeah. it to pay it back? So the fact that he's done the most with a second chance, I respect him. And, you know, you can say what you want about what he did and, and it was terrible. But, you know, I do believe in second chances in many cases. And, and he certainly has made the most of his second chance. For sure. So uh, if you want to join us in New York, we have a few spots left. You can go to sportsprsummit.com. But uh, it's an invite-only event. This will be our six-year, six-sellout, Rick. And, uh, you know, just a great room of people. And whereas a lot of events have gone to, you know, 125, 250 people, 1,000 people, we've kept it at 125. You know, you can walk up to Adam Silver, who was there last year, and have a conversation. Jeff Gordon, uh, you know, this year. Michael Vick, and it's nice to be able to manage the room. It's at a great venue, the Players' Tribune. They've been a great partner, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. May 22nd in New York. Yeah, look, I, I just I look at all of the all of the various angles that we're going to be able to discuss and uh, and examine, and the people that we have involved. You know, David Fisdale, as you mentioned. Um, Getting back into the league, uh, you know, the, the, the whole his his whole approach in getting his job. He certainly was not a shrinking violet when he was the head uh, coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, as you mentioned, Vic and what he's gone through, Jamel and what she's gone through. We have dynamic people across the board, and I'm honestly the the Southwest executive and how they handled what is just. Uh, an extraordinary and tragic situation and they handled it as well as you possibly could under the circumstances. There's a lot to be learned there from people that are going to be in the room. Yeah, and one of the things that we've learned doing this in six years is our room is mostly full of sports executives, but they love hearing from the non-sports executives like Matthew Hiltzik or uh, this person from Southwest Airlines. So, you know, it's good to learn to see how other disciplines, how other industries handle things when they come up. Rick, I know you have to run. Uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, you can follow Rick on Twitter at Rick Buker. We'll talk to you soon. You got it, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Reserve your spot for the 2018 Sports PR Summit presented by the Players' Tribune on Tuesday, May 22nd at the Players' Tribune headquarters in New York City. The Sports PR Summit brings together elite athletes, national media members, and senior PR and social media executives for panel discussions, featured conversations, and networking opportunities. The event allows PR execs to lead with a better understanding of the elite athletes, owners, commissioners, and national media people they're working with. The event also allows attendees to see Derek Jeter's one-of-a-kind digital publishing company, The Players' Tribune, up close, as well as network with top Players' Tribune executives. 
Passport PR Summit speakers include NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, NASCAR legend Jeff Gordon, Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Roth, NFL stars Anquan Bolden and Demarcus Ware, Cleveland Cavaliers all-star Isaiah Thomas, WNBA legend Lisa Leslie, ESPN reporters Tom Rinaldi and Jeremy Schapp, and Sports Illustrated executive editor and 60 Minutes correspondent John Wartime. The Sports PR Summit has sold out each of its first five years, and there are only 125 spots. Reserve your spot today by going online to sportsprsummit.com. Follow the Sports PR Summit on Twitter and Instagram at Sports PR Summit. I hope to see you on May 22nd at the Players' Tribune in New York City. My guest is Kaylee Wilson. He is the co-founder of a company called Blinder. You can find them online at blinderhq.com or on Twitter at Blinder HQ. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Brian. You have a really interesting technology. I have been in PR for many years. I've been hosting this show for 14 years. And I love your technology because it solves a couple of problems. And I'm going to let you discuss this, but let me outline it quickly. You can tell me if I'm understanding everything correctly. So we conduct interviews all the time on the show with athletes, coaches, CEOs, and there's always been a challenge for the PR people. And it's how do these high-profile people receive calls or give out calls, but they do it on their personal mobile phones? How do they do it without sharing their number with the caller? And then the other, and I've seen Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, talk about this. He records every interview he does because he never wants there to be a discrepancy between what he said during the interview and what may appear in print somewhere. You solve both problems with your technology. So explain to our audience how you started this technology and what it does beyond what I just described. Yep, no, you've done a done a good summary there, Brian. So thank you for doing your homework. Um, and and I had seen uh, the reference to Aaron Rodgers and, and his recordings as well. I used to be the media manager of New Zealand Rugby League, so I'm talking to you today from Auckland, uh, down in New Zealand, and uh, I was just immensely frustrated by the options that I had to make my athletes available uh, to the media. So, uh, I mean, you basically have a choice if you boil it down to two options. One is to give out their personal mobile numbers or to not do so, but to have to jump through a bunch of hoops to, to try and make people accessible. Either of those options, it's very difficult to keep a record of what's gone on, and, uh, and I was dealing with that. Uh, conundrum when I was the uh, in the in the role with New Zealand Rugby League, and I just got just got sick of it. Um, I, I, I was uh, did, a, did an entire World Cup uh, doing every phone call um, on my own phone, where I, the media would ring me and I would hand my phone to the athletes because I didn't believe that giving out personal numbers was a, a correct way to operate uh, for a number of reasons. But it's a real pain to not give out numbers and not. Um, not be able to just make people easily accessible on their own phone. So we've built some technology here which basically allows athletes to receive calls on their personal mobiles without having shared their number with the caller. And so um, PR managers can now make athletes incredibly easily accessible during defined times and the media can have access that avoids all the the running around that a, a lot of people are currently doing. So explain further how it works. Let's say that you have an athlete. Let's use Aaron Rodgers for an example. And he's going to be doing an interview with a media outlet. He doesn't want to give out his personal number to the media outlet for the interview. Walk us through how your technology, Blinder, 
executes that so that he can still do the interview with the media outlet, but he doesn't have to share his personal number. So the media would get in touch. The, the standard process, as you'd be well aware, Brian, in, in, in professional sport, would be that the media would uh, generally get in touch with Aaron's team, uh, and the uh, the PR manager for that team would check with Aaron and say, "Hey, Aaron, are you cool to do this call? At, at uh, you know, here's here's some available times." And with Blinder, they then have an online dashboard uh, that the PR manager does, and they go in and they put in Aaron's details, they put in the media's details. They put in uh, what time things are going to happen. Uh, the technology automatically calibrates time zones depending on, on where the different parties are and when they've seen they're available. Uh, the PR manager can click a button to say, let's record that call. They can click another button if they would like to join the call uh, as well. Uh, and they can put some notes in for both parties and then they push a button and it will send information out to Aaron's phone and give him all the, the details of the call and, and when it's going to happen and it will uh, do the same uh, to the media um, by text and email and then at the agreed time uh, in the agreed time only uh, if they call the number that they have been sent they will be channeled directly straight through to Aaron's phone both the media and Aaron will receive a a notification by text 10 minutes in advance so that um, we're finding using the system calls aren't missed. Uh, Aaron knows when the call's going to happen. He's reminded about it and the media have had the same same treatment. Uh, and then as soon as the call is hung up, the PR manager has a, a, an audio recording sitting on their dashboard uh, of that call which they can play back, download, um, package up um, to, to share uh, in, in, in other formats if that's been agreed with the media uh, and also um, you know, share it with the media if that's necessary as well. Now, I love it. I also love the 10-minute reminder because a lot of athletes, a lot of CEOs, celebrities, they forget that, oh, it's almost time to do the interview. So giving them the little reminder is really brilliant. So you've rolled this out, like you said, you're in New Zealand. Uh, you've rolled this out in your area of the world. I know at our event, Coming up on May 22nd, the Sports PR Summit at the Players' Tribune in New York City, we're going to be rolling out your technology to U.S. PR professionals, teams, leagues, brands, people who I think will really embrace this technology. But beyond that event, what's your strategy to roll out in the United States? Well, we've just uh, we've been incubating the technology in Australasia for the last 18 months or so, um, Brian, and we've um, we're operating at the the highest levels of, of sport in our part of the world. So, um, you know, working with the Australian Football League, who are the uh, the governing body of the biggest sport in Australia, with the New Zealand Rugby Union, a, a very famous organisation uh, down here that that uh, look after the biggest sport in New Zealand, and we've just uh, just supported the. 2018 Commonwealth Games, which um, hosts a lot of sports that Americans don't participate in, but uh, I can assure you they're a big deal in this part of the world. Uh, and and we've been pretty, pretty pleased last year that one of our beta clients went on and won Sailing's America's um, Cup, um, beating Oracle Team USA. So we've we've had some pretty major traction. We're just starting our our, our push into the US, and um, my business partner Ross McConnell, who I know you've had a bit to do with, as uh, a a UC Berkeley uh, MBA grad uh, has been in the States quite a bit this year. I've been uh, over with him in San Francisco earlier and 
we currently have uh, teams from the NFL and NCAA um, trialling the system, so the, the initial uh, feedback from the states has been hugely positive. Uh, we're coming over um, for the Sports PR Summit on, on May 22 to uh, roll it out to uh, the, the assembled um, superstars that that, uh, that you'll bring in together for your event, Brian, and then we're also um, making a big push into Coast Cider at the end of, end of June and working with Doug, Doug Vance and his team there to um, yeah, really uh, show the, the college um, SIDs just what, what the tech can do. So what is the biggest pieces of feedback, what are the biggest pieces of feedback that you've received since you first rolled out the technology that has maybe helped you make some tweaks here and there to evolve it? When we started out, um, Brian, I used to work with a guy, Sonny Bull Williams in New Zealand, who was a sort of LeBron James um, level uh, publicity in our part of the world. And, and it was very much, how can I make Sonny easily available whilst respecting his privacy? And uh, so it was, was a privacy play that we had in mind. Let's, let's marry accessibility and privacy. And ta-da, uh, athletes can be easily available to the media. They can also be easily available to fans, and we can sort of change the, the, the rules around accessibility. Once we added call recording functionality that uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and so forth uh, are warming to, we started to see people using the tech differently than, than I had anticipated, uh, and, and that was wonderful because that's what you what you want. You want to see people saying, "Well, you know, thanks for building that, but we can we can use it in better ways." So, what's happened is that teams are now uh, using Blinder very much as a content generating machine, so they can record any call very easily, and those calls don't have to be between their athletes and the media. So they can be between fans and athletes. Uh, they can be between uh, athletes, quarterbacks in, in one team taking on another um, quarterback. Why do those two people have to be so separated? Even if they have a relationship or have, have a, uh, a bit of history, why not bring that forward and share it? You know, help help populate podcasts, bring content forward. We've had uh, people using the system to, um, when teams have been announced, to uh, have coaches informing athletes that they've made teams for the first time or capturing conversations between uh, kids making their debut, uh, ringing up to, to let their parents know. And there's just all sorts of ways that it's starting to spin out into a very simple way to capture content from any conversation. So um, it, it's it's changing at a rapid rate of knots and, uh, and we're pretty excited to see where people are taking it. Now I know this technology is not free. There is uh, an expense to it. How would you best uh, tell our audience, I mean should they go to your website at blinderhq.com to see the different packages that are available? How did you come up with a pricing plan on this? Yeah, it was, it's, uh, it was sort of complex stuff to, to work through, Brian, but we, we, we sell things to the teams, so there's no, no cost for the media, there's no cost for the athletes. Um, we also work a lot in entertainment, uh, as, as you're probably aware, so uh, you know, athletes are but, but one avenue of it, but there's no, no cost for the person making or receiving a call. Uh, we sell to the organisation, so we, we sell to the... Australian Football League and it's mostly sold as software as a service uh, as a, a monthly subscription package based on uh, the number of uh, 
PR managers that that organisation has working for them, the number of calls that they're looking to do. And we also have uh, some slightly flasher calls and and some standard calls so uh, people can do some trickier things um, that that come in a a premium package, uh, including hard finish calls, which mean... Uh, you might say to me, Brian Kelly, I've got 15 minutes to talk to you, and, and that's that's all. Well, the, the call can give us an audio reminder after 14 minutes uh, to let us know there's 60 seconds to go, and, and be um, very uh, yeah very courteous around uh, the time of athletes. So we we sell as a software as a service uh, on a monthly subscription, and then we also. <coughs> have a prepay option as well if people just say hey I just want to take a look at this and grab 10 calls and see how I go and we've recently bought that on board as an option as well. Kaylee Wilson he is the co-founder of Blinder you can find them online at blinderhq.com or on Twitter at BlinderHQ. Very excited that you're going to be part of our event the Sports PR Summit on May 22nd in New York at the Players Tribune. You will be in the VIP green room backstage area. We're going to be utilizing your technology. We're going to actually, uh, Brian Griggs, my producer, and I are going to set up a podcast area back there, and we'll be utilizing Blinder technology for our interviews. And uh, I, I think you're on to something here. I mean, like I said, I've been on the PR side and the media side for a long time, and I think you're solving several problems and also, like you said, creating some interesting content for your customers. So, uh, I always like I watch Shark Tank all the time. I don't know if you're familiar with Shark Tank here in the in the U.S. Yeah, I, I love ideas like this and and things that solve problems. And I love the fact that you used to work for a team and you know this was a problem that you saw and you've identified solutions to it. So great job, and I look forward to meeting you uh, in New York. And and I'm so flattered that you're making the trip all that way to come join us. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's, it's time for the U.S. to see what we've got. We've um they had a, had a great response down here, but uh, we we believe you have a bigger market than us up there, Brian, and uh, and and more problems to solve. So it's um, going to be lovely to to roll it out across the US very shortly. Um, look forward to seeing you on May 22. Just for your information, it's actually my birthday as well. So um, perhaps if you could arrange some maybe a cake or something. Oh, see, greatly. Greatly appreciated. See, and my producer who's sitting in the studio with me right now, Brian Griggs, uh, he, it's his birthday too. So you guys share the same birthday. Cool. So we're definitely going to need to have some kind of celebration. I, I've got some ideas beyond just cake in mind for for you and Griggs. So we'll <laughs> we'll discuss those uh, off air. Nice one. Thank, thanks so much for talking with us, Brian. Thank you so much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio is brought to you by MKTG. MKTG is a leading global lifestyle and marketing agency with 33 offices in 19 countries, including sports centers of excellence in New York, Paris, Madrid, Melbourne, and Tokyo. MKTG specializes in delivering strategic business-oriented marketing solutions for leading brands via sport and entertainment marketing, live experiences, retail marketing, hospitality, B2B engagement, and sponsorship marketing. Visit the MKTG website at mktg.com and review their insightful findings as part of their Decoding 2.0 study. Decoding 2.0 solidifies the need for a shift in thinking when selecting and marketing sport and lifestyle sponsorships. This unique study arms brand marketers with the quantitative data they need to specifically target those consumers most open to brand messaging and sponsorship, as well as provides a specific roadmap that identifies those tactics likely to produce the most receptive fans. 
Until now, the sponsorship industry has focused more on fan passion and avidity to identify sponsorships and develop activation strategies. Decoding 2.0 reveals the need to also understand the importance of fan receptivity. Follow MKTG on Twitter at MKTG. We'll bring MKTG's expertise to life during future segments on Sports Business Radio, so stay tuned for those. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. Thanks to our friends at MKTG. You can find them on Twitter at MKTG. Their website is MKTG.com. They're a global lifestyle marketing agency, 33 offices in 19 countries, a leading sports sponsorship and activation agency. Make sure to check them out at mktg.com. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps, and, of course, at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at sportsbusinessradio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Bringing you the biggest names in sports business. Without further ado, we all know this gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. Let's welcome the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert. Give him a hand. Let's give a big hand to USC alum and co-owner of the Lakers and president of the Lakers, Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. Thank you so, so much for having me, Brian. It was very, very kind, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. Sir Charles, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How you doing this morning? Today's guest is Memphis Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale. You're the man, Barrett. My guest is tennis icon Chris Ebert. He was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Pleased to welcome to the show... Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA Draft. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be joined by Pete Carroll, the executive VP of football operations and the head football coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Coach, how are you? Doing good. What's going on? Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Visit SportsBusinessRadio.com and subscribe to our iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.